Chapter Fifteen of the Book of Stories for the Storyteller. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of Stories for the Storyteller by Fanny Coe. Prince Harweda and the Magic Prison by Elizabeth Harrison. Little Harweda was born a prince. His father was king over all the land and his mother was the most beautiful queen the world had ever seen, and Prince Harweda was their only child. From the day of his birth everything that love or money could do for him had been done. The pillow on which his head rested was made out of the down from hummingbirds' breasts. The water in which his hands and face were washed was always steeped in rose-leaves before being brought to the nursery everything that could be done was done and nothing which could add to his ease or comfort was left undone but his parents although they were king and queen were not very wise for they never thought of making the young prince think of any one but himself never in all his life had he given up one of his comforts that some one else might have a pleasure so of course he grew to be selfish and peevish and by the time he was five years old he was so disagreeable that nobody loved him. "'Dear, dear, what shall we do?' said the poor queen. And the king only sighed and answered, "'Ah, what indeed!' They were both very much grieved, for they well knew that little Harweda would never grow up to be really a great king unless he could make his people love him at last they determined to send for his fairy godmother to see if she could cure prince harweda of always thinking about himself well 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 exclaimed his godmother when they laid the case before her this is a pretty state of affairs and i his godmother too why wasn't i called in sooner she told them she would have to think a day and a night and a day again before she could offer them any help but she added if i take the child in charge you must let me have my way for a whole year the king and queen gladly promised that they would not even speak to or see their son for the year if the fairy godmother would only cure him of his selfishness we'll see about that said the godmother humph expecting to be a king some day and not caring for anybody but himself a fine king he'll make with that she flew off and the king and queen saw nothing more of her for a day and a night and another day then back she came in a great hurry give me the prince said she i have a house all ready for him one month from to-day i'll bring him back to you perhaps he'll be cured and perhaps he won't if he is not cured then we shall try two months next time we'll see we'll see Without any more ado, she picked up the astonished young prince, and flew away with him as lightly as if he were nothing but a feather or a straw. In vain the poor queen wept and begged for a last kiss. Before she had wiped her eyes, the fairy godmother and Prince Harweda were out of sight. They flew a long distance until they reached a great forest when they had come to the middle of it down flew the fairy and in a minute more the young prince was standing on the green grass beside a beautiful pink marble palace that looked something like a good-sized summer house this is your home said the godmother in it you will find everything you need and you can do just as you choose with your time 
Little Harweda was delighted at this, for there was nothing in the world he liked better than to do as he pleased. He tossed his cap up into the air and ran into the lovely little house without so much as saying thank you to his godmother. Humph, said she, as he disappeared. You'll have enough of it before you have finished, my fine prince. With that, off she flew. Prince Harweda had no sooner set his foot inside the small rose-colored palace than the iron door shut with a bang and locked itself. This was because it was an enchanted house, as, of course, all houses are that are built by fairies. Prince Harweda did not mind being locked in, as he cared very little for the great beautiful outside world. The new home was very fine, and he was eager to examine it. Then, too, he thought that when he was tired of it, all he would have to do would be to kick on the door and a servant from somewhere would come and open it. He had always had a servant to obey his slightest command. His very godmother had told him that it was his house, therefore he was interested in looking at everything in it. The floor was made of a beautiful red copper that shone in the sunlight like burnished gold and seemed almost a dark red in the shadow. He had never seen anything half so fine before. The ceiling was of mother-of-pearl, with tints of red and blue and yellow and green, all blending into gleaming white, as only mother-of-pearl can. From the middle of this handsome ceiling hung a large gilded bird-cage containing a beautiful bird, which just at this moment was singing a glad song of welcome to the prince. Harweda, however, cared very little about birds, so he took no notice of the singer. Around on every side were couches with richly embroidered coverings and soft down pillows. Ah, thought the prince, here I can lounge at my ease with no one to call me to stupid lessons. Wonderfully carved jars and vases of gold and silver stood about on the floor, and each was filled with a different perfume. This is delicious, said Prince Harweda. Now I can have all the sweet odors I want, without the trouble of going into the garden for roses or lilies. In the center of the room was a fountain of sparkling water which leaped up and fell back into its marble basin with a faint, dreamy music, very pleasant to hear. On a table near at hand were various baskets of the most tempting pears and grapes and peaches, and near them were dishes of sweetmeats. Good, said the greedy young prince, that is what I like best of all. Thereupon he fell to eating the fruit and sweetmeats as fast as he could cram them into his mouth. He ate so much that he had a pain in his stomach, but strange to say the table was just as full as when he began, for no sooner did he reach his hand out and take a soft mellow pear or a rich juicy peach than another pear or peach took its place in the basket. The same thing happened when he helped himself to chocolate drops or marshmallows, for, of course, as the little palace was enchanted, everything in it was enchanted also. When Prince Harweda had eaten until he could eat no more, he threw himself down upon one of the couches and fell asleep. When he awoke, he noticed for the first time the walls, which, by the way, were really the strangest part of his new home. They had in them twelve long checkered windows, which reached from ceiling to the floor. 
the spaces between the windows were filled with mirrors exactly the same size as the windows so that the whole room was walled in with windows and looking-glasses through the three windows that looked to the north could be seen far distant mountains towering high above the surrounding country from the three windows that faced the south could be seen the great ocean tossing and moving and gleaming with white and silver the eastern windows gave each morning a glorious view of the sunrise the windows on the west looked out upon a great forest of tall fir trees and at the time of sunset most splendid colors could be seen between the dark green branches but little harweda cared for none of these beautiful views in fact he scarcely glanced out of the windows at all he was so taken up with the broad and handsome mirrors in each of them he could see himself reflected and he was very fond of looking at himself in a looking-glass he was much pleased when he noticed that the mirrors were so arranged that each one not only reflected his whole body head arms feet and all but that it also reflected his image as seen in several of the other mirrors he could thus see his front and back and each side all at the same time as he was a handsome boy he enjoyed these many views of himself immensely and would stand and sit and lie down just for the fun of seeing the many images of himself do the same thing he spent so much time looking at and admiring himself in the wonderful looking-glasses that he had very little time for the books and games in the palace hours were spent each day first before one mirror and then another and he did not notice that the windows were growing narrower and narrower and the mirrors wider until the former had become so small that they hardly admitted light enough for him to see himself in the looking-glass still this did not alarm him very much as he cared nothing for the outside world it only made him spend more time at the mirror as it was now getting quite difficult for him to see himself at all the windows at last became mere slits in the wall and the mirrors grew so large that they not only reflected little harweda but all of the room besides in a dim kind of way finally however prince harweda awoke one morning and found himself in total darkness not a ray of light came from the outside world and of course not an object in the room could be seen he rubbed his eyes and sat up to make sure that he was not dreaming then he called loudly for someone to come and open a window for him but no one came he got up and groped his way to the iron door and tried to open it but it was as you know locked he kicked it and beat upon it but only bruised his fists and hurt his toes he grew quite angry now how dare anyone shut him a prince up in a dark prison like this he abused the fairy godmother calling her all sorts of names in fact he blamed everybody and everything but himself for his trouble but it was of no use the sound of his own voice was his only answer the whole of the outside world seemed to have forgotten him as he felt his way back to his couch he knocked over one of the golden jars which had held the liquid perfume but the perfume was all gone now and only an empty jar rolled over the floor 
he laid himself down on the couch but its soft pillows had been removed and a hard iron framework received him he was dismayed and lay for a long time thinking of what he had best do with himself all before him was blank darkness as black as the darkest night you ever saw he reached out his hand to get some fruit to eat but only one or two withered apples remained on the table was he to starve to death suddenly he noticed that the tinkling music of the fountain had ceased he hastily groped his way to it and he found in the place of the dancing running stream a silent pool of water a hush had fallen upon everything about him a dead silence was in the room he threw himself down upon the floor and wished that he were dead also he lay there for a long long time at last he heard or thought he heard a faint sound he listened eagerly it seemed to be some tiny creature not far away trying to move about for the first time for nearly a month he remembered the bird in the gilded cage poor little thing he cried as he sprang up you too are shut within this terrible prison this thick darkness must be as hard for you to bear as it is for me he went toward the cage and as he drew near the bird gave a glad little chirp that's better than nothing said the boy you must need some water to drink poor thing continued he as he filled the drinking cup this is all i have to give you just then he heard a harsh grating sound as of rusty bolts sliding with difficulty out of their sockets and then faint rays of light not wider than a hair began to shine between the heavy plate mirrors prince harweda was filled with joy perhaps perhaps said he softly i may yet see the light again ah how beautiful the outside world would look to me now the next day he was so hungry that he began to bite one of the old withered apples and as he bit it he thought of the bird his fellow prisoner you must be hungry too poor little thing said he as he put part of the apple into the bird's cage again came the harsh grating sound and the boy noticed that the cracks of light were growing larger still they were only cracks as nothing of the outside world could be seen however it was a comfort not to have to grope about in total darkness prince harweda felt quite sure that the cracks of light were wider and on going up to one and putting his eye close to it as he would to a pinhole in a paper he was glad to find that he could tell the greenness of the grass from the blue of the sky ah my pretty bird my pretty bird he cried joyfully i have had a glimpse of the great beautiful outside world and you shall have it too with these words he climbed up into a chair and loosening the cage from the golden chain by which it hung he carried it carefully to the nearest crack of light and placed it close to the narrow opening again was heard the harsh grating sound and the walls moved a bit and the windows were now at least an inch wide at this the poor prince clasped his hands with delight he sat down near the bird-cage and gazed out of the narrow opening never before had the trees looked so tall and stately 
or the white clouds floating through the sky so lovely. The next day, as he was carefully cleaning the bird's cage so that his little friend might be more comfortable, the walls again creaked and groaned, and the mirrors grew narrower by just so many inches as the windows widened. But Prince Harweda saw only the flood of sunshine that poured in, and the beauty of the large landscape. He cared nothing now for the stupid mirrors which could only reflect what was placed before them. Each day he found something new and beautiful in the view from the narrow windows. Now it was a squirrel frisking about, and running up some tall tree-trunk so rapidly that Prince Harweda could not follow it with his eyes. Again it was a mother bird feeding her young. By this time the windows were a foot wide or more. One day, as two white doves suddenly soared aloft in the blue sky, the poor little bird, who had become the tenderly cared-for comrade of the young prince, gave a pitiful little trill. "'Dear little fellow,' cried Harweda, "'do you also long for your freedom? You shall at least be as free as I am.' So saying, he opened the cage door, and the bird flew out. The prince laughed as he watched it flutter about from chair to table and back to chair again. He was so occupied with the bird that he did not notice that the walls had again shaken, and that the windows were now their full size, until the added light caused him to look around. He turned and saw the room looking almost exactly as it had done on the day he had entered it, with so much pride because it was all his own. Now it seemed close and stuffy and he would gladly have given it all for the humblest home in his father's kingdom, where he could meet people and hear them talk, and see them smile at each other, even if they should take no notice of him. One day soon after this the little bird fluttered up against the window-pane and beat his wings against it in a vain effort to get out. A new idea seized the young prince and taking up one of the golden jars he went to the window and struck on one of its checkered panes of glass with all his force you shall be free even if i cannot said he to the bird two or three strong blows shivered the small pane and the bird swept out into the free open air beyond ah my pretty one how glad i am that you are free at last cried the prince, as he stood watching the flight of his fellow-prisoner. His face was bright with glad, unselfish joy over the bird's liberty. The small pink marble palace shook from top to bottom, the iron door flew open, and the fresh wind from the sea rushed in and seemed to catch the boy in its invisible arms. Prince Harweda could hardly believe his eyes as he sprang to the door. There stood his fairy godmother, smiling, and with her hand reached out toward him. "'Come, my godchild,' said she gently, "'we shall now go back to your father and mother, the king and the queen, and they will rejoice with us that you have been cured of your terrible selfishness.' Great indeed was the rejoicing in the palace when Prince Harweda was returned to them a sweet, loving boy." kind and thoughtful to all about him. Many a struggle he had with the old habit of selfishness, but as time passed by he grew to be a great, wise king, loving and tenderly caring for all his people, and loved by them in return.
End of chapter 15. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman.